Hello, this is A Letter to America with Amonla and my co-host Indigo. There's a lot of injustices, but we're not just writing a letter. We're here to talk about the problems and some solutions. Stay tuned, and we're not done yet. Hello, and welcome to the podcast, A Letter to America. I'm Amonla, and with my co-host... I'm Indigo. And I'd just like to brush up on, like, who I am, what I stand for, and, like, where I'm from. I am a youth that was born and raised in Oakland, California, and through this whole experience, (laughs) being in Oakland, it's not as bad as most people would think, but there are definitely still the struggles that come with being a black youth in America, and... In Oakland, it's heightened, it's heightened a lot, mostly because you get, you get profiled. You get this stigma behind your name, mostly because you're black, one, but two, because you are in a city that is known for its crime rate and what was known to be in the past. But, you know, me as a Gen Z, I see Oakland as what it is now. You know, I wasn't there for, you know, when... Um, Things were really bad. When I'm here and what I'm seeing is a gentrification of the lake. What I'm seeing is West Oakland not being a place for kids anymore. What I'm seeing is houses going up. What I'm seeing is us getting priced out. Um, So I then move up to Sacramento with my aunt for a little bit. And then after that, I get we get our own spot. Um, And through this, I have, you know, just the same experiences that all teens do. You know, we get into trouble. We talk mess you know but we get over it you know we learn from our lessons and our mistakes um and ultimately i feel as if that's what we need to do i wish that i could have just like got all this information from my dad (laughs) when i was born but sadly that's not how life really works you have to go through the experiences yourself one of those big experiences was like when i get stopped by the police and police are a touchy subject for many people mostly because what you see in the media right now and i get it not all police are bad but there are definitely too many for me to feel comfortable you know i feel as if when i talk with a police officer i am constantly still seeing the little fear in the back of my head telling you run flight get away you know because i see videos like what happened to my friend elijah tufano You know, and Elijah Tufano was in a sticky situation. He was in a situation that he didn't need to be in. You know, he was trying to buy tobacco products from a homeless man, and a policeman saw him, right? And when he saw him, the police really just tried to fix the situation at first. At first, he was asking questions. But the fact of the matter is, is that this man was, appeared to be at least 200 pounds, right? And this man also appeared to be... 40 years old. While this boy was clearly under 18, this boy was clearly a minor and he was way less in weight and height than this 40-year-old police officer. There was nothing that this boy could have done to actually hurt this man. Yet, in this video, he was still getting abused by this police officer and there was nothing he could do about it, you know? Um, They kept telling him to stop resisting, but what people don't see is the facts what they don't see is that this boy also had underlying heart issues that could easily put him in harm's way which could easily result in him going into cardiac arrest and me seeing the video i felt helpless you know like anybody would this is a young man who was there for me as a brother you know more than just a friend i don't i feel as if i don't have friends i have family you know and being able to see him 
in a light that I wish I didn't really hurt me because it's not it's not ideal. But growing up, as I've said before, it's a struggle. You know, you, you live, you learn, and you get your lessons as early as possible. Because if you don't, I could find myself in that same exact situation. Um, and that's my goal. My goal is to stay out of those situations. You know, my goal is to get my lessons as early as possible, mostly because I'm fearful. And I guess that's what makes me human. You know, I have feelings, emotions, just like everyone else. And I want to make sure that I'm heard more than anything. Mm. That's my big thing. So I'm also from Oakland. Um, It's a place that I hold very close to my heart. And I'm just wondering, since you now live down in Rancho Cordova, do you see any big differences um, living out there than you did in Oakland? Like, do you feel like you have to be more on alert living out there just because the community is so white? Like, do you feel um, any big differences? Do you feel less safe living out there than you did in Oakland? Definitely. Like, out in Rancho, I feel as if sometimes I'm ostracized because of the black experiences that I have, and most people don't. You know, I have a lot of people around me who are very, like, white. You know, they grew up in this sheltered neighborhood where, you know, all they seen was the sunshine, rainbows, and dances, you know, but um, I seen real things. And when I explain the real things, I am not, I'm no longer looked at as a child. I'm looked at as this old soul. I'm looked at as somebody who has matured too fast or um, a young adult. Um, and that's, that's a problem, especially when it comes to, like, police, as I said, because they have continuously looked at black people not as children, even when they're 13, 14, 15, you know, um, and they look at them as grown men, you know. Um, they look at them as threats because of the color of their skin. What I'm really trying to um, really come back to is that um, I don't feel safe. And in the end, I have to find a way to make sure that I don't let my fear dictate who I become. Because in the, at the end of the day, nobody else is going to have to deal with these situations but me. Um, nobody else is really going to have to, you know, deal with the consequences either. So I'm just trying to make sure mm-hmm. that I get my point across when it comes to that. Yeah, yes. I really felt that when you said you don't feel safe, because like, at least for me, I live out in Marin County, and it's the same way. Like, it's very white. The same thing that you said, like, very sheltered. They don't experience those same things. Um, And it's like living out there. When I'm out with my friends or when I'm out with my family, I feel like I always have to be on my toes. Like, I always have to be on my best behavior. You know, I feel like I always have to accommodate to them. I always have to um, be my best for them. And it's just, you know, I don't feel safe. My mom was just telling me the other day that she was at Safeway one night and she saw a big group of white kids stealing stuff from the store. And she was saying it was most likely probably alcohol. But the staff at the store was just kind of, you know, like yelling at them, fussing at them. But it's like if that was me and my friends, my black friends, my group of color, the police would have been there and it would have been a completely different situation. But since they were white kids, it doesn't have that same effect. And just like you said, they view us as adults. They view us as threats. And they just don't look at white people. They don't look at white children with that same lens. I felt that. Like, actually, I was just talking to my sister the other day, and she was talking about how um, we constantly look at like celebrities and stuff with this limelight. But like, think about their kids. Like, Barack Obama's daughter probably won't be able to do some of the, you know, regular stupid teen stuff that you know we we do sometimes, you know, because of the lens that is put on her. The 
the magnifying glass that is put on every little thing that she does because she doesn't just represent herself in that situation. She doesn't even just represent her family. She represents, I remember, yeah. Wasn't there like a photo of her with a glass of champagne yeah. or something on like her 18th birthday and everybody went in on that? Went and, off yeah. because in the end, she doesn't even just represent her family. She represents black people. And when mm-hmm. they see someone this caliber, someone that has status, they do their hardest, especially when they're colored. They do their hardest to tear them down. That's why I'm really not with TMZ at all because they um, will literally find the tiniest bit and blow it up and maybe it was something that nobody else really needed to know, you know? And I can't, I can't like humanly possibly be able to look at that and be like, yeah, I can get behind that because what if it was something that I didn't want nobody to know? You know, Mm -hmm. I could be just as angry or pissed off, but at the end of the day, you know, they are my decisions and my actions do have consequences. But I feel as if a lot of the teens whose parents are like, you know, famous, they don't get the same consequences. Their their consequences are blown out of proportion because their parents have status. And when colored people have status, they love to, you know, break us down. Mostly because a lot of people don't, you know. Definitely. Going back to the whole news thing, even though oftentimes like they do blow up the celebrities and stuff and like, blow it out of proportion especially like you were saying with Obama like I don't know they view her as like oh she can't do that but then when it's like all these white kids out here popping pills at the parties like Mm. that's okay their parents let them do it but also another big thing with the news is that oftentimes when we do have these instances they're often swept under the rug Mm. a big thing that comes to mind is Ahmaud Arbery's case you know that happened in February Mm. I believe and it's just now coming out Because the video was leaked and it's just now, you know, starting, just starting to be brought to a little bit of justice. And it's just like it really makes me think about all of those cases that are just swept under the rug, like hundreds, thousands of cases, you know, probably every day that just no one hears about because the news doesn't publish them. You know, they don't care. They only want to show us, like you said, when we're doing something that's remotely bad, they only want to show the negative. So, Indy, I have another question for you. Do you think police brutality leaves scars on the black community that most people don't see? And can this be the reason why mental health issues is one that is consistently reoccurring within our community? I definitely think it does. And the first thing that comes to my mind is just, you know, like every day I go out, there's just always that anxiety in the back of my mind, like that pressure, that stress in the back of my mind to, like I said before, you know, be on my best behavior, make sure that if anything does happen, that I try my best to not be seen as a threat. So one of the main things for me is just that underlying anxiety, that pressure. Another thing that I would say is in the black community, I do feel like there are a lot of mental health issues that go all the way back, you know, to slavery because it is passed down through generations. You know, people, some people in the black community, a lot of people actually, they're quick to you know, dismiss these things. Like, they're quick to dismiss depression. They're quick to dismiss anxiety and just say, toughen up, stick it out. And a lot of the times they fail to realize that we need to deal with these things. We need to handle these things. And if we don't, they're going to be continue to pass down. And another thing that comes to mind is my father and actually his mother. They both struggle with mental health um, for my whole life. My dad hasn't really been in my life very much because he's been in and out of jail. But a big part of that is the mental health issue. You know, we were just talking about this before we came in, but my mom was saying she remembers one time a public defender called her and was asking about it, and she had to let him know, like, did you not see his file? Did you not see his record? Like, he struggles with mental health because they're just quick to dismiss that when that contributes a lot to 
the things that we deal with. So, you know, it's been really hard for me. I always have to be careful that I handle my anxiety and my stress well because, once again, it is passed down. And since I have that history that goes so far back, I have to be careful with that. And something else that just comes to mind off of that is it's like, you know, whenever something happens with the white person, like, you know, when they kill their family, when they shoot up a school, it's like he was struggling with mental health. He wasn't well in the head. But when it's a black person, they're quick to say he was a thug, he was a threat, and they don't bring up those other issues. So it's just a big disparity that is passed down through generations. And there's just a lot of aspects, you know, like I said, that anxiety, just all of that. Yeah, I feel you. And thank you for sharing because this whole topic is it's a touchy one, especially within our community. My mother also suffers with bipolar depression mm-hmm. because and I had to go the last five years without her in my life, without that empathetical figure who would always be, you know, defending me, even when she wasn't really defending me. You know, mm-hmm. um, just her being there made me feel safe, even in the most dangerous moments, you know, Um and let's call it the whole battle with seeing her fall apart. I was young, you know, I was like 10. I didn't really understand what was going on. And we block out traumatic experiences. Mm-hmm. And we do have a lot of trauma that we have not addressed yet as a family, as a culture, you know, even as a community. A lot of people dropped off the earth when my mom, um, when my mom went through what she went through. And it was sad because when I remember her, I seen her as this strong black woman who was constantly, you know, in my corner, who was constantly fighting, not just for herself, but for her family. And I didn't see it then, but I definitely see it now. She wasn't even just fighting for herself and her family. She was also fighting for her sanity. You know, personally, I believe that she had kids a little too young. Um, She had kids at 15. And that started to chip away. And this is a generational thing. Her mom went crazy. You know, her grandmother went crazy. And this is something that we had to fight with as a community, as a family, because um, we didn't address it when it was something that Mm -hmm. was small. And my biggest fear is me just shutting down because I have siblings who battle with depression, who battle with insomnia, because at the end of the day, they realize that they weren't a hundred percent there they weren't able to save me from you know all of the experiences that i had to have as a young age mm-hmm. and um tying this back into the police when they hear me speak they don't hear a 14 year old boy they hear a full-grown adult not because of my vernacular or my voca- or my vocabulary it's because of the experiences that are behind what i say mm-hmm. i speak with uh a demeanor that is all my own. I speak with experience. I don't speak about anything that isn't already known to me. And yeah, I really have to just understand that all of the mental health issues are generational. And even the issues with the parenting style of my father and my Mm -hmm. mother and how this all came into play, I feel as if I have to be the one to break the chain. Because if I don't, will it will just be keep going it will just keep going on it will be passed down to my kids and my kids kids you know and mm-hmm. i don't want to be another story i don't want to be in this same situation in 10 years you know mm-hmm. and understanding that my sisters are most susceptible to this mental illness because it does run in line with our females but i have a brother who also as i said is battling depression and they didn't feel um as if they were there for me when I needed them the most. And to be honest, they weren't wrong.
But I have to be able to forgive. I have to be able to understand that we are family no matter what. And even if at the moment I felt dreadful or helpless, you know, I it was a moment. It was clouds passing by through the sky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it may we may go through some dark patches, but in a week or two, you know, the clouds will be gone and we'll be on a brighter side of things. Mm-hmm. And just tying this all back to does police brutality leave scars on the black community that most people don't see? I feel as if it does. It definitely does because understanding that police brutality is something that they have to face. I feel as if a lot of parents unconsciously implement like corporal punishment into mm-hmm. their into their parenting style because it's something that they're going to have these kids are going to have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Like I know parents who say that the world isn't going to beat you, but I will. And you're going to wish that these beatings would come back, you know, because the world isn't going to beat you. They're going to throw you in jail. But the fact of the matter is, is that the world will still beat you. And the fact is, is that if as a parent, you are going to corporal punishment, you are saying that it's okay. You know, it's okay for these grown men to beat down on you for minor infractions, because that's what I do. You know, it's okay for you to have to go through this same pain that I did because that's what I had to. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going to have to find a way to suck it up or whatever um, lackluster excuse that they will give you. Um, you're going to have to deal with it, basically. So my big thing is that I want to be able to break the chain, but I also don't want to become a parent because of my father. I want to become a parent because I wanted children. I wanted to become a parent because I wanted to nurture life, not because I wanted to prove my dad wrong. I don't want to get into a pissing match with my father Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I am my own person. I'm going to have to make my own decisions and I am going to have to live with my mistakes, my failures and Mm -hmm. my successes. That won't be him. He may take claim to them, you know, because he did nurture me, you know, and I do expect that, but it's not him. It is not because of him. It's in spite, you know, it's because I was able to grow as a person on my own. I was able to make the conscious decision not to get into an ignorance war with the parenting style that has been implemented in the black community. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, I have to be able to do that for myself and the future children of this next generation. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I hope that this mental health issue is one that won't be as reoccurring. Um, I want to make sure that this next generation can break the chain. I want to make sure that this next generation doesn't have to fight the same way that I had to fight. And if not for anyone else, do it for yourself. Don't do it because I'm telling you. Do it because you want to change. Do it because you don't want this same instance to be happening day in and day out. You don't want this to become a habit because habits are way harder to break than if you just did it once or twice, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's my message. Do it because you want to, not because someone told you or not because you were forced. I don't want you to have to go through the same thing that I did to make the same conclusion. Trying to stay, like, positive can be a struggle. So, like, my question to you would be, what advice do you have for the younger colored kids who are listening to this right now when it comes to the to navigating the police or just the society that they live in, understanding that it's not for them, it's against them? Um, well, would you want to tell them right? I would say 
you know, even though it is hard, I would say really try to make sure that you have a close circle to you of people, of family, of friends that you can relate to and talk through these things that you can get advice from and give advice to just to really know that you have those people that do care about you and that will look out for you because, you know, it oftentimes seems like the whole world is against us. Our whole school is against us. So I really feel like having that small circle of people would be really helpful. I know that it's been really helpful for me. And also I'd say when it comes to navigating police, thankfully I haven't had, I've never been personally stopped or pulled over by a cop. But when it does come to those situations, I would say just try your best to stay calm and know your rights. Know that you don't have to talk to a cop if your parent isn't present. Know that you don't have to answer any questions that they might be trying to get you to answer or throw at you. What would you say? My advice to the kids out there is just stay strong and stay out loud because my biggest fear is me losing my voice because mm-hmm. at the end of the day that's one of the few things that people like can't actually physically strip from you they can mentally strip it from you but if you can stay strong if you can understand that you have more power than anyone is counting on you have constantly been counted out right and if you can blow them out of proportion if you could blow them away with just your words, your actions will end up being able to speak for any other injustice that has been put upon to you, you know. Um, so stay out loud. Keep your voices up, kids, you know. Um, and even if you're an adult listening to this, try to make sure you're empowering your children. Make sure mm-hmm. that they understand that they are important. They don't have to feel as if they are helpless within this backward society, within this white man's world, you know. And that's the big thing. Don't feel helpless. This mm-hmm. is this is all you. Um, so this is a letter to America. Handle it with care. Viewer discretion is advised. We will be talking about some hard subjects, but in the end, you will come feeling enlightened. And most importantly, you will come feeling empowered because you do have a voice and never let anyone take that away from you. You've been listening to A Letter to America with Amonla and Indigo. Make sure to join us weekly on Fridays at 5 p.m. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast stations, websites, or apps.